Uh, good to see uh, guests with us today, and we have a kind of an unusual service today, so you're kind of welcome to uh, join in. We've been doing a series called Processing the Pandemic, and I spoke two uh, sermons out of uh, Genesis with Jacob wrestling with the angel, and kind of used it as a paradigm for um, our wrestling with the pandemic, and I tried to emphasize that this is a probably the one thing in our lifetime that was a global collective trauma. And I was actually at dinner last night with some friends and they were <clears throat> bemoaning the fact that it seems like as a culture, we're just running right back to the old normal because we're so anxious to get out of our masks and uh, homes, uh, but have not really sat back to reflect on what God did. God, God never um, is just interested in the physical. He actually almost uses the physical as a way to help develop the spiritual. So I hope that you don't waste the pandemic and that you actually have pondered over the last two weeks what God did uh, in you uh, in the pandemic. And so I'm only going to speak for about 15 minutes. Uh, the leadership team doesn't think that's possible. but uh, And then we're really going to have a one-hour testimony and worship time and about half a dozen for anybody to come and and. The, the focus of the testimonies will be what did God do in your life through the pandemic? What did you, uh, what was life like before? What did you lose or uh, what was the crucible God sent you through? What was the resurrection moment and what, how is life going to be different for you after the pandemic? So that will be the bulk of the service guests. We do have normal two-hour services, so uh, just buckle up. We're just getting started uh, here today. So uh, the passage that was read is Ephesians chapter 2, and if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Um, and I want to just kind of set the frame for why we're doing this, uh, because I think we're actually enacting something here uh, that's extremely biblical. As you, as you know, as I've talked to you before, I believe the church is the most special thing in the world. It is the most special thing in the world. It's the greatest idea in the history of the world. It's the only place where you can go from cradle to grave and find a shepherd for your soul. And the church has, fall, has fallen on hard times, but I'm still a 100% believer in the essence of what the church should be. And I think church in America is really hard. Uh, I think it's, it's uh, suffering from a bunch of ills, but we just want to be one little small community here to try to exemplify the true picture of the church. And one of the biggest things we try to emphasize here at Providence is how much most of Western Christianity has really interpreted Christianity for you as an individual. I always say go into a Christian bookstore um, and look at all the books that talk about you and your relationship with God. Then go to the, to the bookshelf that talks about the relationship of the church with itself, and uh, you're going to find very little. And you're going to find very little on loving your neighbor as well, but a lot on your personal relationship with Jesus. And so... Uh, but really, the entire New Testament was written to bodies of believers. Almost every time you is mentioned in the epistles, it's, it's a plural you. It's not to individual you. But we have been taught for years that these verses are just about us and our personal relationship with Jesus. But I think our corporate relationship with Jesus is actually much more emphasized in Scripture 20 to 1. And so what does that mean? I think that has huge implications then for how we um, enact our faith. I think this whole fad post pandemic on the digital church is just going to be another nail in the coffin. The fact that what once was us gathering together and getting to know one another and hearing from one another, now you can actually sit with your laptop in your PJs and, you know, community is going to be a thumbnail and a monitored chat. 
I think is just a horrible substitute for what the New Testament church is all about, which is why we are not going to keep doing digital church uh, post-pandemic. I, we can get more than snaps than just one from a guest in the back row, can't we? Yeah, all right, yeah. All right. Uh, some of you are like, shucks, I wanted to do that once a month. No, not here, okay? So this passage has some key truths I want to I highlight here. First of all, it says at, at Ephesians 2 toward the end, you are no longer strangers and aliens. You are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. You are actually members of a household Amen. when you become part of a local congregation. This was written to a local congregation in Ephesus, and he's saying, you are members of a household. And he uses household terminology. There is the foundation, and there is the cornerstone, Christ Jesus. 1 Peter chapter 2 says, you are actually living stones as part of this household. You are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices to God through Christ Jesus. So think of that, of a house being built... Uh, and the pieces of the house are actually like living pieces. I tried to think of an illustration of this. The only thing I could come up with was Disney's uh, Beauty and the Beast. You know, like when all the artifacts in the house and the furniture was personified, right? Uh, and they all took on characters. Well, actually, it's probably a pretty good picture of like this household, right? That we are all members of this household and we all have different gifts and we work together. So in true Beauty and the Beast fashion, you guys remember Lumiere? You know, the candlestick, you know, be our guest, be our... You know, he did that whole song, right? That was the energetic um, one that put on a show, injected energy into the space. I mean, who, who's our Providence Lumiere? Will Cruz. <laughs> Will's back in the booth. Will, can you come up here and sing Be Our Guest for us? Uh, yeah, I mean, Osvaldo, right? Osvaldo, I mean, he just always is inserting that. Okay, then we have Mrs. Potts. Remember Mrs. Potts, the teapot? She's the older, wiser woman. Who, who's our Mrs. Potts? Patty Brim. Did you just call Patty Brim old, Joel? <laughs> <laughs> or Cogsworth, the mantle clock. Gets everything done on time, but is organized, compassionate, kind. Rahil, Sharoon, Katie Larson. Look at We could do our own little Beauty and the Beast here. My wife is, of course, Belle, but she's in Tennessee today, but... Uh, who, who's our refrigerator? Who feeds us? Yeah, they just left to California. Yeah, we are. We need somebody. Who's at least anybody? Where are Felipe and Monica? Yeah, you are refrigerator, stove, and microwave for the for the whole house, right? Who's our lazy boy recliner? Who's the one that makes everybody just feel like comfortable? Jamima. Yeah. So this is like this living house, right? We all have these places and these roles that we play. And one of the benefits of actually gathering corporately, we talked about loving God together, is we actually get to be this living house together. We are living stones building up this house. But then it says we're actually joined together. We are being built together, it says in, 22, in verse 22. Now, some people think that when we're growing together, that that's adding new people to the local congregation. I actually don't believe that that's true. Sure, the, the local household will grow as more people become part of it, but it's actually talking about the people that make up the stones of the house. Those stones are actually growing. 
you yourself are growing as part of this dynamic kind of living house, right? Ephesians 4, uh, just a few chapters later, closes and says, Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it's equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so it builds itself up in love. This is the body growing. And it actually happens like spiritually every single week in a good congregation. So these are stunning truths if we actually believe this to be true. This is stunning for the Western church. Then we should actually know each other. Because we're actually all joined and fitted together. And we're all growing together, right? So we should, we should eat meals together. We should meet throughout the week. You should actually be a part of a church where a pastor knows your name. That sounds really strange, right? You, everybody needs a pastor. And there's no such thing in the New Testament as a churchless Christian. So pastors should know who you are, right? <laughs> You're all joined together. Right? There's no other reason why a group this eclectic would ever get together except for our common bond in Christ. And you know what? We have different values. We vote for different people. We have different opinions on pandemic and masks and vaccines. And, and, and the world's isolating over it. We should be the opposite. We should actually be together and like each other. We should grow with each other. You realize that just a couple stones can't kind of grow without the whole body kind of growing as well in this living dynamic house. That means you should actually be here and engaged. We should work together because we actually depend on each other to do our part well within the body. What would we be without Jamima, right? Yeah. I mean, we, we, we've grown through her presence with us. We should share I mean, Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4 says, we knew each other so well in this local household of believers growing together that we actually, we would be willing to share any and all of our belongings with each other. Wouldn't it be amazing? I think Barnabas gave up his land in Acts 4 because he actually sat next to the single mom on the second row that needed the help and said, I'm going to go sell my land and make sure she can get out of poverty, right? It was out of a relationship that that happened. Well, there's, that means we should know each other, love each other, understand our hurts. And then it says at the end of Acts 2 that they had favor of those in the community. They had favor of all people. I think you look at the church today and say, when you look outside and they look into the church, it's not a look of favor. We should live our lives collectively in such a way that we have favor with the people outside the church. And this is actually why I think it's actually really crucial you think about like what church you're going to be part of with your life. Probably very few people, Providence was your first church you've ever been part of. But when you actually make that consideration, like, you realize that when you come or leave, you're kind of like making an impact on that whole housing structure. But then it says, what's the purpose of this? It actually says in verse 22 that you are growing into a holy temple. It's like almost the metaphor shifts from a house into a temple. You are the living stones in this temple, and why? You are a dwelling place for God. You are a dwelling place for God in a real sense. The God of all creation is in our midst right now. We are, we are the house, the container, the holy temple where he lives. 
If anybody wants to see God today, face to face, they ought to come to a local church. Amen. And in that local church, they ought to see God in some way. Think of what it's like for God to really be here in our midst. And to the church at Ephesus, this, this made sense, right? Because there were pagan temples all around that were known as places where the pagan deities would dwell. Like in, in Ephesus, it was the temple of Artemis. We are the counterculture to that saying, God lives here. That means that when people come into our household, they ought to be so hit with the love of God that it has a profound impact on their life. And by the way, I see it happen in this church almost every week. And I hear these stories of people just being loved like crazy. So we are to know each other, love each other, grow with each other. What I want to do with the pandemic is we want to open up these mics because we're going to watch some living stones here that God actually grew during this global pandemic. And when you listen to somebody else's life, you ought to be listening to your own life as well. So get your notebook out. Get your, your phone notes uh, app open and start taking notes because God's going to speak to you because we're actually a unit growing together. Does that make sense? This, this makes these testimonies charged with way more meaning. So like when somebody comes up and starts spilling their guts out and they get vulnerable about what God did to them in the pandemic, like they're part of us. We're going to celebrate that. Maybe someone's still struggling. We're going to sprinkle some love on that. Maybe we're going to pause and just worship and say, God, you are awesome in what you've done. So we want to encourage growth in this household of faith. And I just think it's an awesome, awesome reality. God is here. God is growing you. But more important, God is growing us together, and we're going to actually hear about it. So these are not individual testimonies. This is part of our whole structure. We get to hear it. So I have several people who have uh, already RSVP'd that they would like to give testimonies. If you didn't RSVP, you're welcome to come as well. I want to remind you these are about what God did to you in the pandemic. We'd like to keep the testimonies to two to three minutes uh, to give a number of people the time. And we're just going to take an hour here and just listen, grow, worship, and pray to our Lord.